Geraldo Rivera's Murder in the Family comes from the real crime fans at Reels Channel. To get more programs like this when you watch TV, go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com for the real crime series and specials you'll only find on Reels Channel. Seasoned actor and Academy Award nominee Woody Harrelson has captivated film and television audiences with his special mix of Southern charm and gritty performances. But lurking just under the surface of Woody's bright career lies a dark and troubled past filled with violence, corruption, and multiple murders. Perpetrated by a member of his own family. Sensational crimes that stunned the nation. The title was given of this investigation as the crime of the century. But for this Hollywood star of stage and screen, Harrelson blood proves thicker than water. He admits himself. He comes from a killer. He comes from a man who made his living taking the lives of other people. And sometimes, when there's murder in the family, true crime is stranger than fiction. You have organized crime, you have a hitman, you have celebrities, you have a federal judge. It's a cast of characters that's right out of a pulp novel. Acclaimed actor Woody Harrelson first reaches a nationwide audience playing Woody Boyd on the NBC sitcom Cheers. But it is his role as crazed serial killer Mickey Knox in the 1994 film Natural Born Killers that actually reflects the life of his real father, Charles Harrelson. Over the course of decades, Woody's dad is implicated in multiple murders, and the sins of the father cast a dark shadow over the famous son. It's springtime 1979 in San Antonio, Texas. John H. Wood Jr. is the presiding judge in a drug trafficking case. One of the biggest trials in the city's history. Detective James Copenhagen, Orlando County Sheriff's Department. On the morning of May 29th, Judge Wood comes out of his house on a normal day like he's done for his whole career. He comes out and he sees that he has a flat tire on his car. So he goes and he gets his wife's car. At one point, you hear this shot being fired. It was a very loud shot. It echoed. It was a suburban neighborhood. And the next thing you know, Judge Wood is face down on the ground. This is unprecedented. It has never happened before in American history where you have a sitting U.S. judge gunned down in his driveway. Within minutes, law enforcement officers arrive on the scene and pronounce the judge dead. News of Wood's murder sends shockwaves through American law enforcement. He's the first sitting federal judge to be assassinated in the 20th century. Wood's death launches one of the largest statewide manhunts for a hitman since the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. The assassination of Judge Wood was called the crime of the century. It was a crime that mandated a solution. Millions of dollars flood into Texas to solve this murder case. But the primary question of the crime remains elusive. 
Just who would want Judge Wood killed? Two decades earlier, 20-year-old Charles Harrelson struggles to find his way in the world. He did a brief stint in the U.S. Navy. And then when he got out, he took a trip and was on a plane coming back from Mardi Gras. On that plane was a secretary who caught his eye. That 20-year-old secretary's name is Diane Oswald. Minutes after meeting Charles, she swept off her feet. Charles had a gift of gab. A short conversation led to an infatuation. They fell in love immediately. After their chance encounter, Charles and Diane marry just 10 days later. But their honeymoon is short-lived. The newlyweds take up residence in California, and Charles is going to provide for his new family. He sells encyclopedias to make ends meet. However, the encyclopedia market wasn't sufficient to provide for his needs and the needs of his new wife. So he turns to some petty crime. By 1960, Charles is arrested for armed robbery and sentenced to five years in prison. But Harrelson maneuvers to have his sentence reduced. What Charles does, he becomes essentially a cheese-eating rat or a snitch or an informant for the law enforcement folks to the point Charles actually wore a wire and gained recorded conversation with a murderer cellmate of his. His prison sentence was dramatically cut down from the five-year sentence where Charles was released. Searching for a fresh start after his prison stay, Charles and his wife Diane Harrelson relocate to Midland, Texas to escape his tarnished reputation. Jamila Bay, journalist, Washington Post. The couple makes their way in Texas. Pretty soon after, Diane realizes that she's expecting in 1960, the Harrelsons give birth to their first son, Jordan. The family continues to expand with the birth of sons Woodrow in 1961 and Brett in 1963. As the Harrelson family grows, Charles does his part to provide for his growing family with legitimate means. He's a salesman of dental equipment and he's able to do whatever else he can to make ends meet. The family seems to be doing well at this point. As a boy, middle son Woody aspires to wear a badge someday. Young Woody had a childhood filled with dreams of becoming a policeman or a G-man of some sort. That was attractive to the young boy, Woody, who was watching TV shows and idolizing lawmen as perhaps models for his own life. Ironically, as young Woody dreams about a future in the law, his father, Charles, turns to vice. Charles found fatherhood too restrictive. He did not want to be a family man. Charles was more comfortable in the gambling houses than in his own house. Seven years was not the lucky number for this marriage. Diane had been tired of Charles's ways, and she lets him know, we're done. In 1965, Diane divorces Charles Harrelson and takes custody of their three sons, Brett, Jordan, and four-year-old Woody. Now on his own, Charles relocates to Houston 
to pursue his longtime dream of being a professional gambler. Charles pretty much is free reign to do what Charles likes to do, which is hanging out in these smoky bars. Charles was a absolute fabulous card player. Now divorced, Charles develops a new relationship with a 23-year-old waitress named Sandra Sue Attaway. She was a small-town cocktail waitress that hung out in the same places that Charles actually frequent and played cards at. She was a single mom, doing very well raising her kids, until Charles comes along and, and sort of uproots everything. Despite being a formidable card player, Charles builds up a large gambling debt, and his loan sharks are not amused. During his gambling troubles, Charles actually became in debt to the mob. And in this case, it was a Sicilian mob for $5,000. Charles used his gift to gab, his criminal element, and his background to actually try to work off that debt in terms of, quote unquote, becoming the mob's muscle. Meaning, Charles would go out and collect the money forcefully for the mob to help pay off his debt. By May of 1968, Charles gets hired for his first mob hit. It's a contract to kill 29-year-old gambler Alan Berg. Alan Berg, the gambling debtor, was known around Houston quite well. He was ever the playboy and made himself a big fixture on the scene at the time. He owed $7,000 to the same mob folks that Charles Harrelson was in the employ of to work off his own gambling debt. One quiet summer's evening, Alan Berg leaves a local Houston bar with a female companion. Little does Berg know the woman by his side is Charles Harrelson's girlfriend, Sandra Sue Attaway. Sandra lures Alan directly into harm's way. This was horrible for Alan Berg. He's prancing through this bar with this woman, and out the back door she whisk him. Lo and behold, there stands Harrelson with a gun. He set this whole thing up. He, at gunpoint, forces Alan into a car. He makes Sandra Sue get in the driver's seat. He holds Alan at gunpoint while Sandra drives away. Alan's fate is sealed. No one will ever again see Alan Berg alive. Following his contract killing of Alan Berg, Charles Harrelson's reputation as a reliable hitman for hire spreads across Texas. A week later, he's contracted for yet another job, a hired hit on a local grain dealer named Sam DeGalia Jr. This time, Charles lures DeGalia without Sandra. Charles develops this plan of using his gift of gab and his charm to get uh, Sam to meet him for a business meeting. He gets Sam out of this meeting location and they go for, quote unquote, a ride. I'm sure to talk about business and how Charles can help him. But unfortunately, that ride ended in a wooded area near a bridge. Following the disappearances and possible killings of Alan Berg and Sam DeGalia Jr., both just a few weeks apart, Texas police decide to ramp up their investigations. To avoid capture, Charles Harrelson severs his ties with his girlfriend and accomplice Sandra Sue Attaway and hides out in Atlanta, Georgia. 
It's hot off the press in that area over the Allen Bird case. This well-known person murdered. They're actually presenting an award of $10,000 for any information or the capture of his murder. Lo and behold, they get an anonymous tip. The police start interviewing people. They actually start interviewing Sandra. Sandra doesn't want to go to prison, so they sort of cut a deal with Sandra to get her cooperation, and they develop Charles Harrelson as a suspect. Sandra's testimony provides investigators a graphic description of the Berg and Degalia murders. By December of 1968, the remains of the two victims are located and recovered. Shortly afterwards, police arrest Charles in an Atlanta motel. Despite facing serious charges for these two cruel homicides, Harrelson's murderous streak continues. Charles Harrelson? He was a natural-born killer. And as he becomes a man, son Woody finds himself on the wrong side of the law. He admits himself. He comes from a man who made his living taking the lives of other people. Gave him something that might have even been etched in his DNA. After becoming a hitman for hire, Charles Harrelson is apprehended. In 1968, he is charged with the alleged murders of socialite Alan Byrd and a farmer, Sam DeGalia Jr. News of the elder Harrelson's arrests reaches his estranged son, Woody, whose absent father can no longer be ignored. The trial for the murder of the prominent Houston socialite Alan Byrd begins in August of 1970. This chilling case with its ties to gambling and a hired hitman, grips the nation. Everywhere in the South, they were watching this trial and a lot of places around the country in general. This was a fiasco in the making. Sandra was the eyewitness to the Allenberg murder. But here's the problem. Coupled with the fact that Sandra did a horrible job testifying for the state, and Charles, always having the better plan, formulated a plan to have an alibi witness in this case. And it was an airtight alibi. Leon Price, a friend of Charles Harrelson, takes the stand as an alibi witness. Price claims Charles was seen 100 miles away the night Alan Berg disappeared. This false but compelling testimony convinces the jury and Harrelson is found not guilty. Despite being acquitted for the Berg murder, accused hitman Charles Harrelson is not out of the woods yet. He remains behind bars to face charges for the murder of Sam DeGalia Jr. While he sits in prison, in 1972, Charles's ex-wife Diane and their three sons, Jordan, Brett, and now 11-year-old Woody, sever all ties with Charles and move on. At this point, Diane Oswald realizes that all of this publicity is doing her and her children no favors at all. Diane decided to take her family back to where she came from, and she moves her three sons to Ohio. After leaving Texas, daily life for Diane's young son Woody proves to be a struggle. Woody Harrelson had a pretty rough childhood once his dad left the family. He was picked up by cops a lot and brought home in disgrace to his mama. 
he was considered to be hyperactive and he was into a lot of things, into trouble a lot. And he had a lot of anger too. I think Diane was a very good mom. I think she spotted that. Whereupon she got Woody medical help. And he actually ended up going to a special school for kids that just had behavioral problems. So I think Diane did everything possible as a mom and now it's up to Woody. Working now as a legal secretary, Diane is the sole provider for her family. She tries to instill solid religious values to better protect Woody and his two brothers because Diane knows it is only a matter of time before her young boys learn the truth about their criminal father. Ironically enough, after establishing their home in Lebanon, Woody hears his father's name on the radio coming from the news station. Later, he asked Diane, hey, was that guy, is that my dad? And of course, the answer was yes. That is your father, Charles Harrelson. In 1973, the trial for the murder of Sam DeGalia Jr. begins in Brownsville, Texas. But the accused killer, Charles Harrelson, presents little evidence to support his defense. It was essentially Charles against the system. And in this case, lucky for the system and the family, Charles lost. Instead of getting life, he ends up with more or less 30 minutes in the corner with a 15-year jail sentence for murdering someone. By the end of 1973, Charles begins his 15-year prison sentence for the murder of Sam DeGalia Jr. It appears his days of killing are behind him. As Charles serves his term, his now 14-year-old son Woody leaves the school for troubled children, following a marked improvement in his mental health. Wanting her son to have a traditional education, Mother Diane enrolls Woody in Lebanon High School. He desperately wants to be liked and be involved with kids, but he has no clue how to do this. Woody decides that he doesn't want to be the awkward outcast anymore. He goes out for the football team. He makes some friends, but he also runs into some kids who say, well, if you want to be our friend, you're going to do an Elvis impression, and not just in front of us. Do it where everybody can see you. He lets loose with All Shook Up, and he sells it as best he can. One of the girls who's watching this pretty impressive performance takes a look at Woody and says, you belong to the drama club, come join. And he does. For the first time ever, he's not a weirdo, he's not awkward, he's an actor. As a teenager, Woody Harrelson starts to become confident and comfortable in his own skin. Until one fateful afternoon, when Woody meets an unexpected visitor. Woody comes home from school one day to find none other than his father, Charles, sitting on the sofa in the living room. With generous time off of good behavior, Woody's father, Charles, is granted an early release from prison after serving just five short years for murder. Woody is just consumed with tears of joy and relief and probably some frustration too. But Woody is very interested in meeting and reconnecting with the man who helped to make him. While their rekindled relationship seems promising, 
this father and son are still strangers to one another. Woody and Charles get in the car and go out for a drive. At some point during the ride, the elder Harrelson pulls out a marijuana joint and lights it up. Woody was repulsed by this. Woody cuts the visit short at this point. He returns home, he goes to bed. He wakes up the next morning, and this is the second time in the life of Woody Harrelson that he was abandoned and walked out on by his dad. Now back on the streets, Charles Harrelson decides he needs a new adventure. Nobody had any clue what Charles's plans were, where he was going to go, what he was going to do. Woody Harrelson loses another opportunity to connect with his ex-con father. But that wouldn't be the last time that Woody would see his father in trouble. If you like what you're hearing, check out the Real Crime TV series on Reels Channel. You'll find chilling true stories of capital offenders brought to justice, like Chris Watts, the Colorado killer dad, the Turpins, whose children grew up in a real-life house of horrors, and a new report on the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. Plus, there are new episodes of Murder in the Family on the way including reports on Sean P. Diddy Combs, Robert Blake, and the Manson family. Find Reels on your TV at Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com. Then check the top of the screen to find Reels in your area. After serving time for murder, Charles Harrelson is released for good behavior. Meanwhile, returning to visit his estranged Texas family, teenage son Woody rejects his father Charles. So the elder Harrelson decides to dive back into the seedy underworld he knows best. Following his release from prison, Charles discovers that the criminal element in Texas has new leadership. During his five-year absence in jail, a drug cartel is formed, headed by a Lebanese immigrant named Jimmy Chagra. Jack Long, retired FBI special agent. Jimmy was a flamboyant type of person. He was a flashy dresser. He was a playboy, for lack of better words, and ran most of the drugs in that section of the U.S. during that time. In addition to being a notorious drug trafficker, Jimmy Chagra is a high-stakes gambler. Jimmy Chagra could win or lose a million dollars in Las Vegas at any one sitting. And it was with that enterprise that he made all of the money uh, which enabled him to gamble so prolifically and so poorly. But by February of 1979, Jimmy Chagra's luck runs out. During Chagra's stint as a drug kingpin, he drew too much attention to himself because it drew the attention of the federal government. At the end of it, Jimmy was the target and he was arrested for drug trafficking charges. After Jimmy's arrest, he was assigned to a no-nonsense judge, Judge Wood. This guy would put the hammer to everyone. Jimmy Chagra knew in going to court on the 29th of May that he probably would have been sentenced to life in prison for his continuing criminal enterprise. Jimmy Chagra doesn't want to stay one day in prison. He either needs to beat these charges in court or come up with an alternative plan. Meanwhile, the recently released hitman Charles Harrelson rejoins Texas society. 
Charles is back out on the street. And Charles comes back to exactly what Charles does the best. That's the gift of gab. Charles needed a female partner in his life, so he finds this third love of his life, Joanne, and bamboozles her and, and charms her to where they've fallen in love and they take up as a relationship. Charles and this newfounded love actually get married, and that's his third wife. With a new wife by his side, Charles returns to gambling to support his marriage and his high-rolling lifestyle. Charles Harrelson was a prolific gambler. He knew about the World Series of Poker, and then when he learned of the travails of Jimmy Chagra as a gambler, he contacted a friend and asked his friend to introduce him to Jimmy Chagra so that he would get a piece of the money that uh, Chagra was winning and losing. In March of 1979, Jimmy Chagra attends the World Series of Poker and unwittingly finds himself sitting across from an ex-con and hired hitman. When Charles Harrelson met with Jimmy Chagra at the World Series of Poker, Chagra was again complaining about a forthcoming trial he had in the courtroom of Judge John Wood, who was known as Maximum John. Harrelson then volunteered that he could take care of that problem by eliminating Judge Wood for a sum of $250,000. As the hours pass at the poker table, Chagra learns of Harrelson's storied past. Finally, Jimmy sees a way to avoid prison. Federal Judge John Wood leaves home in the morning to head to his office. On the morning of May 29th, Judge Wood left his residence at the Dijon Apartments off-Broadway in San Antonio, Texas, went to his car, saw that he had a flat tire, returned to his residence to get the keys to his second car. When he returned to the second car and was entering, he was struck from behind by a bullet. Moments later, Judge Wood's wife discovers his lifeless body sprawled on the pavement. Law enforcement officials from across Texas descend on the murder scene. The alcohol, tobacco, firearms, DEA, FBI, San Antonio police all showed up at the Dijon apartments to initiate the investigation. While officials search for the killer of the Texas judge, back in Lebanon, Ohio, Woody Harrelson finishes high school, determined to make his mark on the stage. Woody Harrelson took the cards life dealt him, and he came up with a royal flush. He went from a troubled and awkward, kind of unlikable kid to being a young man of great promise. He got a scholarship to Hanover College from his local church. He enrolls. And he's doing well as a double major in theater and English. He makes friends. He stars in plays. He auditions. Slowly but surely, Woody Harrelson builds his resume as an actor. Woody eventually lands starring roles in Lil Abner and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. His career is really starting to take off. 
Reading his own name at the top of a playbill was the biggest jackpot that Woody Harrelson had hit to date. And he certainly was going to make sure that he got to hit it again and again. As Woody's young career starts to heat up, so does the investigation in the murder of Judge John Wood. Based on the timing of this murder, the day before this case was to go to court, Shagra would be the common sense and most likely suspect in Judge Wood's murder. Fortunately for investigators, Jimmy Shagra is now serving 30 years following a conviction on charges of drug trafficking. As FBI field agent Jack Long looks into Shagra's connection to the Judge Wood murder, another suspect emerges. When I discussed the killing with my law enforcement counterparts, the Texas Rangers told me that I should be looking immediately at Charles Harrelson because he had been involved in the killing of two people in Texas. As Charles Harrelson becomes a person of interest in the Wood murder, investigators learn he's also facing legal jeopardy. He's currently out on bail following his second felony conviction. Charles Harrelson was convicted in 1980 of drug trafficking and of weapons trafficking and was scheduled to go to prison. In June of 1980, Harrelson skips his court appearance in Houston for sentencing and goes on the run. He jumped bail and was driving from Houston, Texas to San Antonio, Texas. As the walls of justice start to close in, Charles Harrelson flashes out. He pulled off the side of the highway, pulled out a weapon. At this point, it's a standoff, and they have no clue where it's going. After years of limited contact, Woody decides to cut his father, the ex-con Charles Harrelson, out of his life completely as Woody seeks a career as an actor. In 1980, Charles faces a lengthy prison sentence convicted again, this time on drug charges. But rather than face the music, Charles goes on the run. The authorities, including the Texas State Police, the FBI, pretty much every agency in the U.S. were looking for Charles Harrelson. But lo and hold, Charles being Charles actually shows up on the radar in a Charles Harrelson style because he actually pointed a gun at a clerk at a store. When Texas Highway Patrol and ATF officers descend on the scene, they find Charles Harrelson in a crazed state. As the police were approaching and Harrelson put the gun to his head, he said, if you take another step forward, I'm going to shoot the son of the bee. Some of us were delighted to hear that. Hours into the armed standoff, Charles cracks and makes a pair of jaw-dropping confessions to murder. He turned to an ATF agent, told the ATF agent that he had killed Judge Wood, that he was responsible for the killing of John Kennedy. I had been responsible for the review of the assassination of John Kennedy, and I was sure of the fact that uh, Charles Harrelson had nothing to do with the assassination of uh, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. After six hours, Charles turns himself over to the authorities. The news of Charles' arrest travels back to his estranged son, Woody. Here, Woody channels the negative stories into his craft as an actor. Woody had to go to school with the thought of, my father's in prison for murder. 
Woody was always on the chopping block his whole life because of that absent father in his life, and he pretty much was on his own. Woody certainly had these issues of rage and, and acting out, but I think that actually was his way to perhaps vent those acting out and rages was through his acting. While in custody, Charles changes his story and pleads innocent to the murder of Judge Wood. He claims he was under the influence of drugs when he confessed. After weeks of incarceration, Harrelson receives a visitor, but it is not a member of his family. A special visitor comes to see Charles by the name of Joe Chagra. Joe Chagra is actually the brother of Jimmy Chagra, who was, if you recall, charged with these narcotics or drug charges where the slain Judge Wood was going to preside over. Joe was there to step in to kind of, quote-unquote, protect the organization and, and, and provide that legal counsel for these low-level drug dealers. Little do the Chagra brothers know, the FBI secretly records their conversations in prison. With uh, Jimmy in prison and his conversations with Joe about criminality, Jimmy had confessed to the fact that he had hired Charles Harrelson to be the shooter. In response, Joe Chagra tells Jimmy about his conversations with Charles Harrelson. Joe Chagra said that Charles Harrelson told him where he had thrown the weapon, and a map was drawn. Using these taped conversations as evidence, the FBI gets warrants for both Jimmy and Joe Chagra's homes. They go in, and investigators hit pay dirt. We found the map we used to search for the weapon, the stock of which was ultimately found on the side of the lake. The FBI confirms this weapon was used to kill Judge Wood. They're able to match the fingerprints and trace the point of purchase. We learned subsequently that on May 17th of 1979, Joanne Harrelson, Charles Harrelson's wife, had gone to a gun shop in Texas and purchased a 243 rifle. And the laboratory came back within hours saying Joanne Harrelson's fingerprints were on that bill of sale and that her handwriting was the same as the handwriting that was on that bill of sale. Charles Harrelson's new wife, Joanne, is taken into custody. She is interrogated by FBI agents about her connection to the Wood murder. When Joanne Harrelson was brought before the grand jury, she realized that she was going to have a problem with this case and then did cooperate with the FBI. Armed with the prison wiretaps, Joanne's cooperation, and the murder weapon, federal officials feel they have solid evidence to try Charles Harrelson, Jimmy, and Joe Chagra for the murder of Judge John Wood. As this story makes national news, Woody Harrelson turns a blind eye to his father's woes, continuing to focus his energies on acting. Woody was finishing up college and he amassed quite a body of work. He was a working actor and getting some acclaim as well. But like father, like son, Woody experiences his own run-in with the law. That took the form of a drunken night of dancing in the street, making a spectacle of himself. And then when the police were called about the drunken dancer, Woody decided to run. While he was arrested, 
Woody was able to avoid jail time by paying a fine. Now a veteran of over 60 plays, Woody decides to take his acting skills to the next level. One of his friends decided to move to New York, and Woody agreed to move along with him so that he could go on auditions and see what happened with his own career. Woody left his mother and his brothers behind, but he certainly didn't leave any luck. When he went to New York, even he had no idea how hot a streak he was about to hit. As Woody seeks fame and fortune in New York City, the start of Father Charles Harrelson's murder trial nears in Texas, along with his co-defendants, the Chagra brothers. The Chagra lawyers realized that it would be very difficult for Charles and Jimmy to be taken to court in San Antonio, Texas, because of the publicity for the trial. Prosecutors agree to move Jimmy Chagra's trial to a later date and change the court venue to Jacksonville, Florida. For brother Joe Chagra, these moves by the prosecution change everything. It was kind of like the three doors were given to him. Testify against his own brother Jimmy, testify against Charles Harrelson, or remain silent and be implicated and sentenced in the death of Judge Wood in a conspiracy charge. So in this case, he chose to testify against Charles. Joe Chagra's testimony pins the killing of Judge Wood solely on Charles Harrelson. In a separate trial, Jimmy Chagra is acquitted of the Wood murder due to a lack of evidence in his case. Once again, Joe Chagra is the deciding factor in the outcome. Joe would not testify against his brother. We believe that it was just a case of family loyalty, brotherly love. It's Charles Harrelson who faces serious prison time for the assassination of Judge John Wood. Charles's last rush with the law in the court found him convicted of the murder of Judge John Wood. Despite receiving a life sentence for the murder, hired hitman Charles continues to deny committing the crime. Charles's argument was that he was a con man when he said that he would kill the judge for $250,000. He saw the opportunity to take the $250,000 and not kill the judge. He certainly had the fall guy spelled out in this case as his defense because he wanted to convince the court and the jury that this was a conspiracy, for lack of better words, coming from the Chagra brothers. As Charles maintains his innocence, he turns to an unlikely ally for help. When you have nothing else to go for except the life behind bars, you will reach for any straw Despite years of abandonment, Woody Harrelson gets pulled back into his father's troubled world. He, too, became enamored by the charm of Charles Harrelson and said, Charles told me he didn't kill the judge, and I believe him. With his father serving a life sentence for murder, Woody Harrelson continues to pursue his dream of becoming a working actor. After struggling in New York for over a year, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity comes along for Harrelson to appear in a television sitcom. Woody, fresh out of college, fresh to New York, 23 years old, goes on an audition, and he has no idea that Cheers is going to be the vehicle that launches him into superstardom. 
Woody Harrelson gets the role of Woody Boyd. He's nominated for Emmys. He was one of the most memorable characters and an unbelievably talented cast of players. Woody Harrelson really found his stride and found it young. Now an established television star, Woody transitions to motion pictures. He lands a supporting role in the football comedy Wildcats, starring Goldie Hawn. And from there, more movie offers start to pour in. Woody Harrelson was a bona fide TV star. He was also the star of a number of Hollywood blockbusters. There was White Men Can't Jump, The People vs. Larry Flint. In 1994, Harrelson takes the part of serial killer Mickey Knox in the Oliver Stone film Natural Born Killers. It's in this role when he channels his father's dark and violent past. Natural Born Killers was an amazing piece of cinema. It was hailed for being remarkably violent, which is saying something, but also because Woody really sold that role. The fact that he admits himself, he comes from a serial killer. He comes from a man who made his living taking the lives of other people and then being able to do it again gave him something that might have even been etched in his DNA that let him pull off performances so very well. It's ironic and it's notable that while Woody was playing a serial killer on screen, his father was sitting in a jail cell for being a killer off screen. Having built a successful acting career, Woody decides to rebuild his relationship with his father, Charles. Woody had to have been trying to reclaim something that he couldn't ever have, and that's a relationship with his dad. Over the next few years, Woody routinely visits his father in prison. Time after time, Woody listens to Charles profess his innocence and claim he was framed for the Wood murder by the Shagra brothers. Woody at one point decides that he's going to help his dad. I don't know if Woody's convinced that his father didn't get a fair trial, but Charles certainly told Woody he didn't get a fair trial. He too became enamored by the charm of Charles Harrelson and said, Charles told me he didn't kill the judge, and I believe him, and I am going to fight to see to it that justice is done. This was a conspiracy by the government of the United States to solve this crime of the century, and they did it by blaming my father, Charles Harrelson. So I will create a fund to pay for my father's defense. So Woody ends up hiring a high-dollar, well-known lawyer to petition the court for a second trial, so Charles would perhaps get a second chance at life. After serving over 19 years behind bars, Charles Harrelson has his new defense attorney file an appeal to a Texas court. Harrelson now claims he was in Dallas the day Judge Wood was murdered in San Antonio and could not have committed the crime. In 1998, the motion for retrial was actually granted, and you could see Woody's facial expressions. It was an expression of hope, of excitement. Woody's brothers also attend the hearing, joining in his quest for justice. Woody's presence loomed heavily. 
so heavily, in fact, that he wound up having a game of basketball with the judge. Of course, this led to a conflict of interest, which meant the judge had to recuse himself from the case. Even with the new judge presiding at the hearing, the new evidence is not convincing. In 1998, the motion for a retrial is dismissed. By the year 2000, a second hearing is granted based on new witnesses found by the Harrelson defense team. But again, this court victory is short-lived. To overwhelming evidence at that initial trial that indeed Charles Harrelson was guilty of the murder for which he had been charged. Despite his best efforts, Woody cannot free his father from prison. In the end, Charles Harrelson does not escape punishment for his murderous past. Charles left a lot of collateral damage during his criminal experience. He left his wives. He left his three children as collateral damage. But more importantly, he left three people dead. Charles Harrelson, he was a natural-born killer. Woody Harrelson goes on to star in many award-winning features, including No Country for Old Men, The Hunger Games, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. He is recognized as an environmentalist, a loving husband and father to three children. But his own father's legacy continues to haunt him. Woody's father, the career criminal Charles Harrelson, dies in prison on March 15, 2007. When Woody is asked about his regrets, he replies, I try not to spend too much time with regret, although I wish I'd had more time with my dad. I'm Harold Rivera. Next week on Murder in the Family. How did Kelsey Grammer rise above not one but two murders so close to home? His life could be one of the Shakespeare plays. It's unbelievable. Murder in the Family. Geraldo Rivera's Murder in the Family comes from the real crime fans at Reels Channel. To find more original programs like this when you watch TV, go to Reels.com. That's R-E-E-L-Z.com to find us on your system. You'll also find extras from the TV version of Murder in the Family, including chilling reenactments and crime scene photos you'll only get on Reels Channel.